1: You know what it is. It's your boy Dane Martinez, a.k.a. Speeds, a.k.a. the Spitting Statistician, a.k.a. the Stable Genius and Vocal Minority, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Freestyle right here on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network check this out guys you may be like right away i understand if your body clock is a little off i'll understand if the like buttons aren't as many as i usually are i understand if even tried and true members of the stats over cypher are not with me right now because of a few things one it's a national holiday. I have a dream. Give a big shout out here. Martin Luther King Day. Everybody, I hope you understand, not just take it as like a day off, but really uh, take your time to kind of learn a little bit about what the struggle was, what the struggle is, and what the direction the struggle could be moving forward. But also because this is a brand new time the fantasy freestyle a brand new time for the spitting statistician okay i was telling y'all about this last week we are now moving into a new schedule a lot of stuff going down for speeds okay fantasy freestyle has a new home and that home is right here Right now, we're going to be going 6 to 7 p.m. on Mondays for the foreseeable future. That's got a lot of different reasons behind it. One is because, you know, we're winding down the football season. We now know who the two teams are that will be in the Super Bowl. They are before me right here. We got the Rams and the Pats. I got my damn it doll in there. Shout out to Jilly Dilly. Got my damn it doll right there because also... I was going, damn it, damn it, damn it, a lot of times when the Kansas City Chiefs could not stop New England in overtime, right, on a third and ten. I was telling people, yo, this is going to be Julian Edelman over the middle. And what do you know? Julian Edelman over the middle, right? I was like, "Uh uh-oh, watch Gronk singled up on Eric Berry. He's going to go there on third down. Bang! That's what he did, you know. So I was going, damn it, damn it, damn it. All right, but also because, as some of you may know, if you may hear if you listen to this network all the time here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network, I am the new co-host of a brand new morning show. It's called Make It Rain with my new guy Joe Ranieri over here. He's down there in Miami. I'm doing it in New York. We got the East Side covered, and we got it all covered on how to win your leagues and win that cash. But thing is, that is now six to nine a.m. People, all right. So you're gonna wake up early with me every weekday so that means you know i gotta dial it back a little bit on the evenings all right so i just want to let y'all know about that we do however have a lot of stuff to get to since we last spoke well clearly the biggest thing here are the afc and the nfc championship game i do want to tell you though two pieces of news real quick uh the nfl for next season um Gave out their London games. We know who's going to be in the three London games. We know who's going to be in one Mexico City game. It's going to be the Chiefs and the Chargers. I find that one interesting. And also the NFL has declared today that they are going to investigate if pass interference is going to be reviewable. Interesting timing, NFL. That brings me to my poll question right now, which, by the way, is which... Of the Saints' exits over the last two NFL playoff seasons were more excruciating, you know, which is the harder one to stomach. Was it this year? What happened yesterday? And boy, will we get into that. The fact that there was no call on that pass interference call, and then they ultimately go to overtime and lose. Or was it a year ago in this spot? When they had the Stephon Diggs crazy catch miracle and score up there in Minnesota, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have lost in excruciating ways in the playoffs in the last two years. Which one was worse for you? Is it recency bias, or uh, you know, was this one truly more uh, painful to watch? We'll get into that a little bit later on as well. All right, so here's where we got to start. Let's start with the AFC game because I know a lot of people are really the big headline. uh, for most people is this officiating, that no-call, in the NFC game. We can get to that. For me, it's the AFC game. All right? And, and for me, this takeaway is Brady and Belichick do it again. You know, I think that is the top-line takeaway. All season long, and I was among you, all season long, I was trying to find ways, find reasons why the Patriots wouldn't be where they are right now with their damn helmet in front of me representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. I tried all season long. Gronk is a shell of his former self. Brady doesn't look the same. The weapons just aren't there, right? Well, 30 other NFL teams are trying to be where the Patriots are right now. You know, and so they just do it again. On Wikipedia, they changed the AFC Championship game's definition. Literally, I'm not making this up. Someone literally on Wikipedia changed their definition to be the AFC Championship game is where a team from the AFC gets to play the New England Patriots for the right to win the Super Bowl. There he is. I got to tip my cap, I guess, to Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Brady has been the quarterback there for now 17 years. They have been to the Super Bowl nine of those years. Over of the time. I got to tell you something. Julian Edelman at the center of this game, right? He puts up, in my opinion, a very important game. All right? He puts up a nice little stat line, seven catches, 96 yards. Okay? He was at the center of it all. That muffed punt, whether it hit him or not. I'm going to tell you right now. I personally think it may have grazed his left thumb. Other people I'm watching with was like, nah, didn't touch him. Here's the thing, though. If there is not conclusive evidence, you are supposed to stick with the call on the field, right? Wherever you were watching, at the bar, at your friend's house, or by yourself, I don't care. Were there people, reasonable people there, who saw it differently, who disagreed, who couldn't tell you for sure? If that is true, whether you agreed with them or not, You have to stick with the call on the field. So I find that interesting. Edelman, though, in a true ball-don't-lie-Rashid Wallace kind of moment, then his next opportunity ball goes through his hands gets picked. Right? So he's in the middle of it all, and then he is all over overtime with like two or three third-down conversions. And that's what I think. That's where I want to go with this, okay? Because honestly, and I hear so many people today talking about how we got to change the overtime rules, how Patty Mahomes was left on the sidelines. The great MVP, Patty Mahomes, was left on the sidelines. No, that's not what happened, people. All right In the NFC game, the Saints won the toss. They won the game. All right? So it's not just like, oh, they won the coin toss, they won the game. B.S., play defense. That's what I'm saying. You had multiple opportunities on third down to get off the field. But then again, there were also multiple times when the NFL was like, eh, let's give it to Tom Brady. That roughing the passer, I don't care if you are the biggest Patriots fan out there. You could be, uh, you know, you could be my man Jim Ross right now, okay? There's no way that's pass interference. He barely, uh, not pass interference, uh, roughing the passer, he barely grazed him. That offsides call on D Ford where you were lucky because Tom Brady threw another interception right there that ended the game. All right. By the way, that Hogan play down the left sideline, I kind of think that ball moved too. All right, so don't tell me you win the coin flip, you win the game. B.S., play some defense, all right? Because in the other game, as you see, some defense was played, and we had a different outcome. So to me, those are some very important things that went down in the AFC Championship game. Here's what I'll say. Pat's got a lot of luck, whether it was Edelman or Brady, right? But on the other side of things, you know, Patty Mahomes was awesome. I think he outplayed Tom Brady, if you want to know the truth. And the stats would actually say the same thing, Uh, technically. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of, uh, oh, I don't know, like, say, QBR and stuff, you know, or or PFF grades. All right. But I think it comes down to Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid, you know, failed to adjust. It was clear, and we talk about it all the time, that. Belichick, what he likes to do is make you play left-handed, right? He makes you take away what you do best. And we had arguments, not arguments, we had discussions here at this table uh, yesterday on Lineup Lock Live when I was here with my man Mike Blewett, with uh, Keith Irizarry, who's joining this network, with my man Joe Ranieri from Make It Rain, right? And we were saying, what do you think Patriots do? Do they try to take away Travis Kelsey? Do they try to take away Tyreek Hill? Guess what? They did both. They did both. Travis Kelsey, three catches for 23 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, one catch for 42 yards. If I told you that Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill would touch the ball four times in a game, that went to overtime, that the Chiefs scored 31 points in, you would say, oh, they, they, they were keying in on that. Clearly, that was part of the game plan. Where was Andy Reid to adjust? Where's the end around to Tyree Kill? Where's the quick screen to Tyree Kill? I've seen them do, you know, um, shovel passes to Travis Kelsey for damn sake, for goddamn sakes. Where was any of that? Okay, so for me, this is like now Andy Reid, something like two and seven in this round of the playoffs or beyond that sort of thing against Belichick or other elite coaches. That's part of it, okay? That's part of this narrative. And it needs to be. Okay, Patty Mahomes is going to win the MVP, in my opinion. Uh, The Chiefs will be around for a while, in my opinion. But that has to be part of this narrative. Romo, who, by the way, Tony Romo delivered a phenomenal uh, performance, in my opinion, predicting what would happen taking you into the inside of the quarterback. And one of the things he said of why Brady is so good is because he was an offensive coordinator on the field. He knows how to check in, check out of plays, was always getting into the right play. The defense was not adjusting back to that. In time, Patty Mahomes will be able to do it. In time, Deshaun Watson, some of these other young quarterbacks will be able to do it. Andrew Luck already is in the AFC. And in time, the New England Patriots will in fact meet the end of their run. But no, no, we do not need changes to overtime. We need a team to step up and play defense. That's what we actually need, all right? The Kansas City Chiefs had multiple opportunities. They did not get it done. So for the ninth time in Tom Brady's career, while as a Jets fan, I have to go, damn it, damn it, damn it. I also have to tip my cap and congratulate the New England Patriots uh, for uh, making it Super Bowl Fifty Three. <clears throat> All right, now I'm done with that. Right, we're done with that. Okay. Hey, big shout out! Thanks to uh, thanks to Jer T right there in the chat room. Okay, um, that's what's up. That's what's up, dilly dilly out there to everybody. Whatever making you happy. What up? Spe- what up to you as well? All right. So, um, big shout out to everybody that's sticking with me right here after as we as we go along in the football season. When it comes to the NFC game, now listen, everybody knows what we're gonna talk about. Yes, that was an absolutely ridiculous call that was pass interference if you don't want to call pass interference fine that was helmet to helmet contact that was unnecessary roughness 15 yards there too but here's the most important part and by now we've talked this i'm sure at nauseam wherever you get your sports from you know this but if you're getting it live here on youtube if you're getting it as a podcast right now if you are getting it on the fantasy sports radio network i'm here to tell you that play completely changed the outcome. You know some penalties, they're like, eh, it doesn't matter. That play changed the outcome of the game. That gives the Saints first and 10 from like the four or the three-yard line. But more importantly, the Rams only had one timeout. So right there, and many of you guys know this, the key is not necessarily to score or score seven. The key is to not leave the other team with any time left on the clock. And so what the Rams would have been, excuse me, what the Saints would have been able to do with that penalty, giving them a first and goal when the Rams only had one timeout left, they would have been able to literally kneel the ball down on whatever hash mark, you know, Lutz wanted it to be on. Okay. And bleed out the clock. Rams could have taken one timeout. You would have had a chip shot, extra point, field goal attempt to win the NFC championship. All right, so obviously that call is real. And while I say we maybe don't necessarily need changes to overtime, I do think we need changes here. I've been talking about this. If you're a real deal fantasy freestyle, stats overbeat Cypher, ever since, you know, I don't know, back in like 2015 or 16, since we've been doing this. Oh, and by the way, uh, two-time, two-time FSW FSTA, host of, you know, host of the best radio show finalists. All right, so if y'all been with me for years, I appreciate that. All right. Um... But if y'all know, I've been talking about this as a platform for a while, things like they need to replace the idea of the refs and these under, out-of-shape men running down the field trying to keep up with elite athletes, running out a chain-link fence and stuff like that, making judgment calls when it's 20 yards away because they can't keep up. Right? What I do think they need to do, and this reinforces it for me, no, I don't want a guy centrally in New York calling down like trying to get people out of the game for concussions or college instant replay or anything like that. No, I just think there needs to be more officials on the field Okay. Right now, I think there's like a six-man crew. Give me another two or four people on the crew. And also, we talked about this towards the beginning of the season. You can make these refs full-time employees. These guys are not full-time employees. Many of them are accountants on the side. This is seasonal employment. Make them full-time. Make them train more. Make them work with the teams at symposiums and more. Make them dive into the rule books more. Something like that. Give them more refs and give them... You know, more uh, professionalism, to be quite honest. That's what I think needs to happen here. But besides that call, here's what's the biggest thing. And these Rams now are moving on. We need to talk about this. What's up with uh, Todd Gurley? And will it be any different two weeks from now? That is the biggest storyline going into Super Bowl 53, if not for like, oh my God, Brady and Belichick are here again. It's the health and the status of Todd Gurley as the main running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Todd Gurley was like a number one overall fantasy pick. Todd Gurley was a stud running back. Todd Gurley is one of these running backs who is a workhorse. And now, all of a sudden, in the last month or so, it seems like he is, you know, the pass catching back or the bad side, the B side of a timeshare to to C.J. Anderson, of all people, looking like Mike Tolbert, looking like he's got a dad bod. Okay, C.J. Anderson, 16 carries, Todd Gurley, four. This is Todd Gurley, who people thought was an MVP candidate. Some people are going to say, oh, yeah, C.J. Anderson plays a different role. He's a north-south runner. Bull. Todd Gurley is the MF man. Todd Gurley must be hurt. Todd Gurley must be severely compromised. He must be like 70%. Okay, and don't get me wrong. Everybody at this part of the season is banged up a little bit, but he has to be out there primarily as a decoy. He ain't right. Because if he was, he would be out there more. I am not buying this C.J. Anderson narrative. So when we now have two weeks to discuss the number one thing we are going to be talking about is Todd Gurley. I think he's hurt. I don't think this is the emergence of C.J. Anderson. I think he's hurt. I think two weeks is going to make a big difference, and that should impact people in things like DFS lineup, predictions for the game, and such. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. We are off and running on the new date and time for the fantasy freestyle with the Spittin' statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority. Come on back on the other side of the break. I'll tell you some things to look for this week when there's no football. Welcome back. It's the Fantasy Freestyle right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You got the spitting statistician holding it down. New day, new time. Mondays, 6 to 7 o'clock here. I'll be coming to you live on the Fantasy YouTube uh, channel. We'll be live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Well, maybe not live per se, but it'll get down for show you can always follow me at spittin speeds i also want to give a big shout out uh you're right jr t i want to give a big shout out to you for sticking in there in the chat room the nets do be balling right now you're absolutely right i also want to say though jr t no i don't think this girly thing we were talking about i don't think discipline has anything to do with it you're right mcveigh may want to be keep a tight shift but it has nothing to do with that in my opinion i think he's just straight up Uh, banged up until they got to ration him out and they now also know that he has two more weeks to get healthy for the big game up there in Atlanta but thanks for sticking with me Jer T and everybody out there on the fantasy sports radio network here on a Martin Luther King Day holiday as I said don't just treat it as a day off to go run some random errands take some time to think and reflect about what this day is about what that man was about and what that means now in our day and time but I'll uh I'll, I'll, I'll keep my vocal minority to that for now. Um, as we keep it moving there, <laughs> NFC Championship game, I told you about this CJ Anderson, Todd Gurley, is going to be a storyline we need to follow and talk about, okay? Look at this. I told you, CJ Anderson with 16 carries, Todd Gurley with four. Yes, Gurley got the touchdown, saving maybe people's fantasy day, if you had him, um, in different you know looks or, or, or tournaments or pools that you may or may not be in. But then also CJ Anderson, one catch. Right, Todd Gurley, one catch. So seventeen to five is the touches. That's crazy, and I don't. I think this is mostly because of injury, not because of discipline or anything like that. He's just banged up, and they they think he's only got so many bullets left in the chamber, and they're gonna fire as many as they can without uh losing him. But now there's nothing to save him for for Super Bowl fifty three. So I think he's gonna get a lot more burn uh come the Super Bowl. So something to keep an eye on. The other thing. For me in this game is listen. There was a big time difference because of one man that was there that was not there when this team played these teams played the first time, and that is uh, Rams cornerback Aqib Talib. All right, Aqib Talib was incredible in my opinion, and also all you have to do is look at Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas was the the league leader in receptions in this year in, this, in the NFL. He caught I think 125 balls. Drew Brees had a, literally going into like at least the last month of the season, a 90% completion percentage when targeting Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, without Aqib Tlaib there in that game, I think went something like 12 for 211 in that first game. Had a big time game, right? Yesterday, Michael Thomas goes four for 36 on seven targets, okay? Um, That's partially Aqib Tlaib. Marcus Peters, who's all jacked up and stuff. Check out the other wide receiver, Ted Ginn Jr., who, by the way, I hit on my over prop for Ted Ginn Jr., for those who were wondering. Okay, the prop bet was like 52 in the low 50s. He went three for 58, so I got over 55, which is the highest it would have been, uh, but only on three of six targets. Right, so Drew Brees, who has like setting completion percentage records and stuff, he's going a combined seven out of thirteen to his two wide receivers. It's two top wide receivers, right? Traquan Smith, one of two, you know, as well. So that was a big difference, and I, I think Akib Talib is a big credit for that. All right, and the other thing I'll say is, what now for Drew Brees? Right, he's forty years old. He had a sixty point one QBR in this game. Right, people were talking about if the Saints kept their magical run going and the Saints won the Super Bowl, that it would have been perfect for him to walk away into the, into, the, you know, into the shadows as a champion. Now what? What does that mean? What does that mean even for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who maybe knew wink, wink, nod, nod, that he was going to be the heir apparent? What does that mean for Mark Ingram, who's going to be a free agent this year, right? Who thought maybe he would have had his last best chance. Now maybe does he want to stick on board? Do these guys want to give it one more try? Because they literally... They got everything they needed. After last year, you might have said, oh, they had that miracle happen against them. What they really needed was home field advantage. They were the one seed this year. They beat Philly at home in a close game. They have this game in their house. That that dome was standing up, getting crunk, chanting, who that nation, right? Jared Goff could not hear in his ears. He could not hear the plays. They had everything they needed. They were on the precipice. And what many people are considering the worst blown call in NFL history is what got them. If I were them, I'd take one more shot. I'd take one more shot with this crew. I'd try and keep this crew together as much as possible. I know Mark Ingram it's going to be hard. But the rest of them, I would try and keep them all together. And for me, that means Drew Brees does, in fact, come back. That means Teddy Bridge Wouda. May have to think about going somewhere else. Yo, big shout-out by my man, Jeremy McMahon, who's back out there, yo. Um, absolutely, it was pass interference. Absolutely. I, you got me on my Ted Finn Jr. and my Ted Ginn Jr. prop, though, baby. I had a lot of props. And by the way, you may have caught me on Sunday morning, right? You may have caught me on Sunday morning on Lineup Lock Live. We were giving out props that hit left and right. No, I did not hit my James Devlin two-touchdown prop. All right, it was plus ten thousand. And by the way, maybe I just got the wrong Caucasian Patriots running back because Rex Burkhead hit. And if you heard us, we were saying, "All oh, Rex Burkhead complicates that. Rex Burkhead complicates that." If y'all got down to Rex Burkhead at plus twenty seven hundred, you gashed. you got cash, you got that Venmo, right? But we were giving out other prop bets on Sunday morning that were hitting. Okay, I gave out there will be a fake punt. In that NFC game, I gave that out. I believe it was plus 450, and I banged it home. Why? We Sean Payton, they do it all the time. Sean McVay, they do it all the time. The NFC Championship game, you got to break out all the stops, right? I was like, ah, yeah, let's take this at plus 450. I'll take it. Cha-ching! We'll take that, all right? I gave out in the, in the AFC game. I gave out. I, I was saying, like, I leaned under, but I was like, I'm never giving out another under in the NFL again. So here's what you do. I think they feel each other out in the first half, and then start to explode in the second. I said I like the first half under in the AFC Championship game. That total was 28 and a half, and I believe the halftime score was 14 nothing New England. Ching! We hit that one as well. Okay, but I gotta give you, I gotta tell you something, and this is why you need to tune in. Starting, you know, started today. 6 to 9 a.m. will be the main place you're going to be able to see Speeds the Spitting Statistician with my man Joe Ranieri. we going to make it rain on him, okay? And he was already doing that. He gave out yesterday morning a money line parlay. He was like the way to do it. And this guy is smart action. He is sharp as like bows that you be throwing, okay? He was saying that with those lines where, you know, they were pretty much pick em games, without the home field advantage. What you do in this spot is you take the plus money lines. He parlayed them both. He gave it out yesterday morning. You parlay the Rams-Pats money line. Rams-Pats money line. Something that, by the way, when I was doing the show last week and our poll question was what will be the Super Bowl matchup, Rams-Patriots was the last choice. Rams-Patriots got 10% of the vote. Saints Chiefs got 45% of the vote. Rams Chiefs 23, Saints Pats 22, Rams Pats 10% of the vote. That's why we fade the public sometimes, people. Only 10% of you who who voted in that poll thought we would be staring here today looking at Rams Patriots. That is why I say a lot. We fade the public. This morning we put up another poll and 53% of you voted that the NFL officiating was the biggest storyline of championship Sunday over the Rams win over Belichick and Brady and over the fact that both games went to overtime, which is something that has never happened. Then remember, I have a poll question up right now. Thanks to everybody that is voting, which was more painful for saints fans. Was it last year when Stefan can you dig it had that crazy catch on fourth down and got it done? Or was it yesterday with that no call? All right. Um, that, that's what I want to know. Did you see how the CBS executives wanted a Rams-Pat Super Bowl since week 17? That says Big J out there. And here's the thing. Um, yo, Deep, Deep East Texas Outfitters LLC that says love me some Dane. That's what's up. I love y'all too. And if, you got, if you're at East Texas Outfitters, by the way, if y'all got some gear, if y'all want to bless the spitting statistician, I'll rep y'all on Fantasy Freestyle, all right? So hit me up, at Spittin' Speeds, let me know. But in any event, Big J, here's the thing. I don't know that I agree with that because honestly, whatever this matchup was, it would have been good for TV. You're telling me if it was Rams-Chiefs and a replay of that 54-51 game, it wouldn't have been good? You're telling me if it was uh, Pat's Saints, it wouldn't have been great? the idea of Breeze and Brady, both these veterans with these high-flying offenses that have never really faced each other going after it for a Super Bowl, they would have eaten that story up alive, okay? And if it was, what, Saints-Chiefs? You're telling me that wouldn't have been the same kind of high-flying offenses, the same kind of, you know, old guard, new guard kind of thing? I think and the NFL came up seven no matter what they did. You know, and by that I mean seven on the first roll, not seven after that. You know what I'm saying um so so that's what I would say, yes, the refs were in fact an issue that was obvious pass interference, but I don't know if and by the way, yes, that was not you know uh pass uh roughing the pass on Brady that was not in my opinion uh a catch by Hogan that in my opinion that ball may have grazed Edelman, but regardless if you agree with me or not, it was not indisputable to overturn it in my opinion, so that's a call stands for me. <laughs> But I digress. All right. So guys, I'm getting hot and bothered. I'm getting hot and bothered. And right now, in that poll question that we got, seventy-one percent of you say that what we saw yesterday was uh more excruciating for Saints fans than what we saw just a year ago in this time. Twenty-nine percent are saying the digs catch and the T D. Uh strong style, big shout out to my strong style, one hundred percent stats overbeat cipher for sure. He says the no flag call yesterday, absolutely, was what? was worse. Big shout out to everybody watching now, hitting that like button, stuff like that. Jer T, Michael Perez, and the crew out there. All right. So here's what I want to do. All right. Because this Rams uh Patriots. It also has impacted speeds versus the kids. Uh Danny, do I have you, my friend?
0: I'm always here.
1: Yeah, we're gonna talk a little speeds versus the kids. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna finish out this segment. Uh but what I also want to let people know is that the number to call if you want to join the show is 347-767-6614. Again, the number to call is 347-767-6614 if you want to call the show, you can get down and talk to the spitting statistician. Um you know, if you got something to say about the NFC or the AFC championship games. But in any event, Danny, we got to update. We got to update the stats, bro. Um so you Like most people, you know, and in the poll question, I thought it was interesting, Danny. Only 10% of the people in the poll said uh, Rams-Pats. 45% said Chiefs Saints. You and me and Michaela and Declan Allen-William Davis were all part of that 45%. We all went Chiefs Saints. We all went 0-2 yesterday, Danny.
0: Yeah, yesterday was rough.
1: Yesterday was rough. (laughs) And so, unfortunately, Danny, with that um, 0-2... Yesterday, you go to 5-5 five and five in the playoffs. You're just breaking 500 so far this playoffs. You're just at 500, man. Yeah, I mean. So here's the thing for me, and obviously we'll talk about this more next week when we pick the game and do all that stuff as well. Um, do you feel like you, to go to over 500, are you going to pick with your head or are you going to pick with your heart? Because I think they're going to tell you two different things. Mm.
0: I don't know. I think I'm going to cross that bridge when, when we, when we get, get to it We get to it next week.
1: Am I correct, though, that your heart yeah. says yeah. anybody but the MF Patriots, but your head says, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, the Patriots are going to get this done. Yeah. That's what your heart says, right? That's yeah. what the head says. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I yeah. may agree with you. So here's the thing. Danny, you're now 5-5, f- five and five, right at 500. What if I told you that Michaela, unfortunately, at 0-2, I'm sorry, M dot, you're under 500, no chance of beating speeds. What if I tell you that Audrey, Goose, my homegirl, my goddaughter, I love your homegirl, but she's three and three. She's at 500, no chance of beating speeds. What if I tell you that Declan, Allian, William Davis, Derek Davis' three-year-old son, he went Chiefs and Saints with Patty Mahomes. He said, There you go, spitting speeds. Well, I'm sorry, Declan, you went 0-2. There you go, Declan. So you're a two-and-four, no chance of getting to 500 or beating and spitting and speeds Zoe who we all know is mired in controversy right Danny Do- Zoe went pats and Saints, so she went one and one games it a- gains a game on most of the field she is now five and four slightly above 500 but game behind still speeds right here's the thing though bro Dylan aka Tito he picked the Rams he is the only person in Speeds versus the kids to pick the Rams at all. So he gains a game on everybody. He also though had the Chiefs. So he lost that one cuz if he went Pats Rams, he would have been running away with this right now. He is 4 and 2. Danny, you with me? He is 4 and 2. I picked the Chiefs and the Saints. Even with that two losses, I am 6 and 4. So what we got here is now Speeds at 6 and 4 and Dylan at 4 and 2. What do you think about this, Danny? What, uh, am I in trouble here?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I tell, tell me why. Well, I, I mean, because if, if, if we pick the same thing,
1: let's say we both pick the Rams. Uh, let's say, oh, man, that's the thing, though. He's gonna, he's gonna, well, he picked the Rams. Here's the thing he picked the Rams to win, and that was his one, and he picked the Chiefs, so we lost. So he ain't picking the Patriots. Let's say he picks the Rams, and okay. I also pick the Rams, and they win. He goes to five and two, I go to seven and four. I can make the case I'm better. Okay. Seven wins. No one came close. Okay. Right? We both lose in that scenario. He goes to four and three. I go to six and five. We're both just one game over. I'm at six wins. No one can sniff me. I win. Right. But if he goes one way and I go the other way and he wins and I lose it and I lose and he goes to five and two and I go to six and five, I don't think I can make a claim that I beat Dylan in speeds versus the kids this year, Danny. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think you have something to worry about.
1: So you think I pretty much have to do whatever Dylan does, I have to do. I have to basically make my official pick to protect my protect my winning streak for speeds versus the kids. You think, you're telling me I have to basically just follow whatever Dylan, a.k.a. Tito, says for the Super Bowl?
0: I think it depends on how dangerously you'd like to live. I see. (laughs)
1: So if I feel strongly, but that's the thing. No one's going to feel strongly about this game. This game is not going to have a spread over three. This game started with the Rams minus one last night. By the time we woke up this morning, it was Pat's minus one and a half. That means a lot of money came in on New England overnight, okay? And that's the early line. I think it's going to be one and a half, two. It might get to two and a half. This game is going to sit, in my opinion, This game is going to sit between one and a half and two and a half for the next couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to get to three. If it were to ever get to three, I think there's going to be a ton of money that just comes in on the Rams if they can get a full field goal, right? Uh, Because the field goal is just too much in these nip and tuck kind of games. I mean, both of these games went overtime. Both of these games, you know, um, could be either way. If it gets to three, I think there'll be a ton of money on, on either underdog. Any team that would become an underdog. But I think it's going to be between one and a half and two and a half. And New England will be the favorite. Next week, I got to find out what Tito thinks early. Right? I got to get what Tito thinks early on. And then I got to just see if I want to stick with him or not. When we come back, though, Danny, on the Fantasy Freestyle, here's what we're going to do. We are going to look at the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame award that is coming out tomorrow. The announcement will be made, who enters Cooperstown in the Hall of Fame. I'll tell you if I agree with it or not. We'll talk about the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge, which is hysterical. All right, and we'll also talk with Danny about uh, Fight Night. There was a lot of fights out there and some interesting things that came out of that. I know Danny knows about it. We'll talk with you about it. Stats Over Beat Cypher. Come on back. It's Fantasy Freestyle. Damn it, damn it, damn it, with your boy Speeds. Come on back. Welcome back, Fantasy Freestyle right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Your voice Speeds, the spitting statistician, the stable genius and vocal minority. Big shout out to the people in the chat room, okay? We got a couple of more regulars that have joined me in the last few minutes. So I want to say once again to everybody, I know, new date and time for the freestyle. I mentioned it uh, towards the end last week. New home for freestyle, Mondays, 6 to 7 p.m., all right? We're doing it weekly now. Now the football season is coming to a close. And also if you haven't heard yet, I am the co-host of the Fantasy Sports Radio Network's new Big Bad Morning Show with my new co-host Joe Ranieri. It's called Make It Rain and it's on three hours every morning from 6 to 9 a.m. So I gotta, you know, I gotta cut back on freestyle a little bit, guys. Can't be burning the candle at both ends so I could bring that heat to help you win your leagues and win that cash. Gotta tell you, hey, Perry Engel, thanks for joining us. Dilly dilly out there, Perry. we got some regulars back in the place, sad Jay Cutler included. I gotta tell you, um, you're talking about Rex Burkhead and vulturing those uh, touchdowns. Listen, nobody, sad Jay Cutler, felt badder about that than me. You know, I wanted James Devlin in there if you were listening to shows last week, right? But I do think the chat is right, and they did talk about it on the morning show. Sony Michelle, they know it's a running play. James White, you know it's a passing play. It's quoted like a few years ago when the Jets had like Chris Ivory and LaDainian Tomlinson. When Ivory was in, you know it was a run play. When LT was in, you knew it was passing. That's the same kind of Sony Michelle, James White thing. Rex Burkhead is sort of in the middle, so they are a little bit more multiple that way. That's why Burkhead was in. There's also Fantasy Football Girl Advice in that uh, chat room asking me about Teddy Bridgewoda. And here's what I'm saying. I think Teddy, what, what happens with him now it's all because it's all comes down to the market. He's gonna have a choice. Does he wanna? Does a team pony up and offer him starter money this off season? If he does, he might be gone. If not, honestly, fantasy football girl advice. I actually think you know. I actually think it's not the worst move in the world to wait like maybe one more year and be the heir apparent for Drew Brees in that offense. Learn with Shaw Payton for another year, right? And Drew Brees, and then slide in as the heir apparent. That's not a horrible situation. And to be quite honestly, maybe the situation I would want, hey, Big J out there says, I won three leagues because of you. Hey, Big J, is you me? Speeds? Or is it like the whole stat's over beat Cypher? Are you talking to somebody else? But if you won three leagues, brother, because of me, then congratulations, Big J. You know what we do, help you win your leagues and win that cash, all right? But I do think the question of Teddy Bridgewater is very interesting. Not only do I win my leagues and win that cash, I help y'all do the same. We put the fun and functional sports content. That's why Speeds is a two-time host. Two-time. Two-time. I'm not like Booker T yet, strong style, with five-time. But two-time host. Of the best radio show finalists. That's how we do it. All right. Here's what I want to tell you, though. This week, you might be like, oh, man, there's no football on Sunday. What do I do? What do I do? Uh, thank you, Big J. It was for me. All right. That's what's up, Big J. Thank you. I appreciate that, Dilly Dilly. I'm happy to help, man. I'm happy to help. And you win those three leagues. I hope you, you know, I hope you spend some of that cash. I hope you have some fun with that, brother, man. All right. Um, in any event, um, something's happening tomorrow. And that's that the Major League Baseball is announcing their Hall of Fame class, all right? I just want to tell you a couple things real quick about that Hall of Fame class that is going to be announced tomorrow. It's profiling that, like, four people are going to make it. Uh, Edgar Martinez is looking good. You need 75% of the votes to make it. Edgar Martinez, and they t- kind of track these. There's a lot of people who release their ballot, okay? There's about 55 or 60% of the ballots that are known right now. Like, 200-plus of the ballots are known, and people, like, track and keep, uh, keep count of those. Roy Halladay's trending like he's going to get in. Edgar Martinez, which I agree with. I like Edgar Martinez. Some people talk about like the DH should not be able to be in. Hogwash to me. I say wrong, terrible. You know, I think Edgar Martinez, if you played against the Mariners and you faced him like a Yankees fan like me, he was the guy in that lineup that I feared the most. I feared Edgar Martinez, literally. I feared him more than Ken Griffey Jr., I feared him more than Tino. I feared him more than Ichiro. I feared him more than Buner. I feared It was Edgar Martinez. He was, yo, that dude was a beast. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Mussina is tracking like he might be right on that cusp. He was never like the most dominant pitcher in the, in the majors, but he, longevity, has the wins, has something like 10 gold gloves too. I think he ultimately should get in, so we'll give it to him. And my guy, Mariano Rivera. As you know, I am a Yankees fan. Mariano Rivera is my favorite Yankee of all time. Because when he's on the field, that means we win. The Yankees win. You know what I mean? So, Mariano Rivera is actually my favorite Yankee of all time. Mariano Rivera... Mariano Rivera personifies class and grace. There is a reason why Mariano Rivera was the last person in Major League Baseball history allowed to wear the number 42 for Jackie Robinson. And I bring up that point intentionally on Martin Luther King Day where Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, right? But Mariano Rivera was honored and tributed and was honored and able to be the last person to wear number 42. That's for a reason as well because of who that man is, Mariano Rivera. He right now has 100% of the ballots. Will he get 100%? No one ever has done that. I think it's silly. I think the one guy there's going to be someone who votes no, even some Red Sox beat writer for years decided that he doesn't think so, but he doesn't want to be that guy, so he is abstaining. I want to meet the person who votes no on Mariano Rivera, and I want to hear their case, but I digress. The real thing is going to be right after this, this cut line, right now, is Clemens and Bonds. You need 75% to get in. They say what I'm seeing, uh, Clemens is tracking at 71%, Bonds at 70 or 71% as well, 705 These guys are going to get in. These guys are hopping every year. And with the influx of you know young talent into the Writers Association, what's happening is the older people who have more staunch beliefs on the PED and the steroid era, these guys are pretty much aging out, losing their credentials to be Hall of Fame voters because they're not active anymore. The new people, the young people that are coming in, the millennials who are now part of the Writers Association that elect these people for the Hall of Fame, they don't see steroids as much anymore. They don't see it as big anymore. They take the other more statistical driven things, the fact that maybe Bonds and Clemens before 1998 even started would have already been Hall of Famers. Barry Bonds, I think, already was a three time MVP. Roger Clemens was, was already, you know, a strikeout leader. You know what I mean? A three time Cy Young Award winner. Right, So they are going to get in, and that's something that I think is very interesting to note, that their climb continues. The announcement will be made official, I think, tomorrow evening. Keep it locked. It'd be a big surprise if Clemens or Bonds gets in this year, but we're staring at Mariano Rivera, Roy Holiday, Roy Halladay, who, by the way, was filthy, disgusting, pitched of no hit or a perfect game, his first ever playoff outing. I saw him a lot as a Yankee fan against the Toronto Blue Jays. That dude was filthy. He was the best pitcher in the game for a period of time, and that's what I think it's about. I'm, more, I'm less about the compilers and more about is there a three, a five-year stretch when people would have said, you were the best ever or you were the best out there. You're the best on the planet. You know That's why people like me, for, for example, you know Eli Manning. Is he a Hall of Famer? Ah, he's more of a compiler. Was he ever the best? You know? Whereas someone like Don Mattingly, however, and I know I'm being very New York centric right now, whereas Don Mattingly was, uh, in many people's estimation, the best player in baseball, or at least one of the top three players in baseball from something like 85 to 89. And while I believe and acknowledge that his career falls short of the Hall of Fame threshold, I think he has a better case than some of the compilers out there. For example, you know, a Fred McGriff that might be out there, a Scott Rowland. These are guys that are tracking right now with 38% of the vote. All right. And what I also always think is it's funny that some of these guys that get on the ballot because it's their first time, you also need to, I think, like maintain 1% or some threshold or else they just put you off the ballot. I think it's a sterile where they go, where some of these names are actually on the ballot for Hall of Fame. Like, all right, these guys were veterans, but they were never Hall of Fame caliber. They were never going to get into the Hall of Fame. And, and you know, it, it says that. They get like 1% or 0.9% or 0%. I'm talking about guys like Travis Hafner, Ted Lilly, Darren Oliver. I was late in his career. I was happy when teams were bringing Darren Oliver to face me or face my team. He's on the Hall of Fame ballot? Come on. Miguel Tejada. Miguel Tejada gets 1% of the vote. He was like an MVP kind of guy for a little while out there. And he's not getting it. I'm talking Roy Oswalt. Lance Berkman only getting 1%. And yet Placido Polanco is on the ballot. Kevin Euclid is on the ballot, the Greek god of walks, as he is referred to in Moneyball. So that's, you know, keep an eye out on that. And another thing I think is interesting, I talk about it all the time, if you real deal stats overbeat Cypher, and I know some of you are, thanks to everybody that's out there, Jay, uh, Sad Jay Cutler, Any game changers coming out this year? Oh, we're going to talk about the draft. Yo, Sad Jay Cutler and others. We're going to talk about the draft. Give me after football. Let's get, once we get through that, early February, all right, Uh, late February. We're going to do free agent primer, right? We're going to talk about all free agency hitting. And Sad Jay, we'll talk about the draft. We'll do mostly quarterbacks and the skill positions, right? Things that impact fantasy, right? Like there's there's multiple running backs coming out of Alabama, for example. Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs. We'll talk all these quarterbacks who could be. Uh, translatable more to the NFL in this day and age, right? We'll talk if there's any wide receivers that you may like. There's a kid out of Stanford that I like a lot. It's like six four. There's also some. There's a. By the way, there's a five foot nine white wide receiver from like a small school that is profiling just like a Julian Edelman, just like a Cooper Cup that you need to keep your eye on. So yeah, we'll do some of that. All right, big shout-out to Jilly Dilly out there as well, Jilly Dilly, knowing better than anybody that this is episode 361. So one of the things, for someone like a Jilly Dilly, for someone, you know, like a uh, who else is in there, for someone like a Perry Ng, for someone, Jeremy McMahon, people who've been here with me for a long time, and I appreciate it for show. Sure. That's why we get nominated for awards, people. Um, you know that I like talking also about the Pro Bowl Skills Competition. I think it's hysterical, okay, and there's going to be some new events they got the 40-yard splash. It's going to be like a, uh, you know, kind of like a uh, fire bucket brigade. There's going to be this relay race. They're training, and they got to fill up water. because Then there's going to be some guy in a dunk tank. I think it's hysterical, the stuff they do. Okay? Um, there's going to be uh, the best hands competition. I like this one. They have the wide receivers coming out, you know, and having to make catches on the sideline, one-handed grabs. And now one-handed grabs are like hum in the NFL, right? And these guys are practicing it. Part of it is the damn gloves that they're all wearing. I'll tell you that for sure. But I digress. Good. The best hands competition. I like the precision passing competition also where it's like, you know, the old QB challenge. I used to do this in my, yeah, damn it, da. Bang, bang, bang for sure. That's what I'm saying. Um, damn patriots. Damn patriots. Freaking patriots all the time. Damn it. We got people over here. Checking out the spitting statistician. So we're getting into this. So they got the petition passing competition. All right, and I like that. That's like the old quarterback challenge, all right? I think that's cool. But the, what I love the best, and you can tune in for it. I think it's happening. They're showing it, I think, on Thursday of this week on ESPN. Is they, These guys are playing dodgeball. These guys are legitimately playing dodgeball, okay? Just like you would see in middle school, and I think it's amazing, all right? But my question for you, and guys, in the Stats Over Beat Cypher in the chat room. Here's what I want to know. Yes, Perry Ng. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Perry Yang, Mondays, baby. All right? Sorry that you're there now. You're late. Don't worry about it. New schedules because I'm doing 6 to 9 a.m., five days a week, Perry, and everybody else. Make it rain. Check my new show out. Me and Joe Ranieri. Big shout out to him who, by the way, nailed cold five-to-one-odd calls. He gave me also the Cavs-Bulls under. Today, in the NBA, we are going to make it rain on that show, 6 to 9 a.m. So the spitting statistician's waking up real early, so we can't be doing multiple evenings a week, all right? At least now until we get to the next football season. All right, so yes, parrying. But what I wanted y'all to know is, like, what do you make? If you had to make a dodgeball team of NFL players, what do you do? Do you have, like, the Tyreek Hills, the shifty guys? Do you have guys with big arms? Do you want Patty Mahomes in there and big arm dudes? Do you want... You know, Or do you want the Tyree Kill, the Darren Sproles? Do you just want straight-up wide receivers to make up your team because they'll catch anything, right? How would you compose a team for dodgeball? It's kind of Danny, if I can bring you in right now. It's kind of Danny how, like, we're talking about the animal football team, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, how would you compose your team? Talk to me. If you had to make a team of, like, pro bowlers in the NFL, how would you build a dodgeball team? What kind of players would you want? The small the small shifty guys, wide receivers, big guys maybe? Do you want big guys and have, like, little Uh, wide receivers, like, hiding behind them as human shields? Would you want quarterbacks? What do you do, Danny?
0: I definitely want a couple of quarterbacks.
1: You do? Just for their arms? Yes. But what happens when they get drilled real quick? They're not the most elusive of the world. And sometimes they're big dudes. Like, Cam Newton might be a little too big for this kind of competition. Big Ben is a big man.
0: That's why you got to pick and choose the right quarterbacks. Okay,
1: fine. So but you also, want like yeah. Baker Mayfield, but Russell like, Wilson? Yeah. Look, All right.
0: And wide receivers for sure. I, I, I agree with that. We need, we need people that can catch. Well, that's, I mean, that's a good okay. strategy. <laughs> All right. Fair um, enough. I think I would shy away from the bigger guys, like, like real big like linebackers and stuff like that because they're just targets.
1: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yo, Jilly Dilly, Perry Ng out there. How would you compose your Pro Bowl uh, dodgeball team? I'm on the Tyree Kills, the Darren Sproleses, the, Tyree, the Terry Coens, um, you know, those kinds of guys. The Austin Ecklers of the world, the Theo Riddicks, the small shifty, the Chris Thompsons, those guys. The Alvin Kamaras, because, you know, he ain't got nothing to do <laughs> now. You know what I mean? Tyree Kill. He ain't got nothing to do now, you know what I'm saying? So that's the issue right there. Guys, by the way, again, the number to call if you want to get down is 347-767-6614. Danny, with the few minutes that we got, we got about, what, like three or four minutes left. There were some fights also this weekend. There were. And I got to ask you something. Greg Hardy, you know, out of the NFL because he's too violent. So women, children, anybody who'll <laughs> yeah. be around. Apparently he was too violent for the UFC he is a little this weekend violent also. UFC, How yeah. do you get disqualified from a UFC match? I thought that
0: was the whole point. Yeah. Uh so what is not
1: allowed in the UFC? Because apparently Greg Hardy got disqualified for what? A knee? He had a knee strike? It
0: was knee when when a fighter's grounded already. He so he me.
1: was already on the ground? Yeah. So he can't hit him with like the WWE style knee?
0: I don't know exactly what what the where the rule is okay. where it's black and white, but yep. I I do know like I, I mean that's what he got DQ'd for. That's was, what he got
1: DQ'd for. Knee strikes, a, yeah.
0: Illegal a knee to a grounded fighter. So the, the fighter was already on the ground, as far as the ref said.
1: So what else could get you a disqualification in UFC? That's what I want to know uh, because I thought folks, I sure. thought that was the whole point. So eye gouging is not okay.
0: Like if it happens by accident, they they do it like they give they give the player uh or, I mean the the fighter a minute to. To kind of okay. help themselves, but if it happens repeatedly, then you're going to get blamed for it, because an oh. accident, once is an act. So, accident. repeatedly. Right. So, like, I can get away with a couple. I mean, it's a gray area. I think you can get away with one, right. but I don't think all you right. should. I'm coming for your eye right it has away, to Look, It has to look fake. Sure, sure, or, like, sure. Well, but they're
1: on the ground wrestling, like, you know, four and a half minutes out of the five in the round all the time anyway, right? Yeah. All right. So, I can get in there, get a little eye. Is biting illegal.
0: Yes, absolutely. Oh,
1: absolutely! Eye gouging, eh? Biting though—that's where they draw the line.
0: <laughs> well, that's where—that's where they can obviously okay, okay, so okay. see that you're trying to. Fine, chop fine. The what about choking? Uh, well, I mean that—that that there's like submission holds that yeah, involve that, right? I mean, like the triangle or whatever. Right. There's a lot of submissions, and that was—that's the point—is to get them to tap.
1: So can I just straight choke you? Like put my arm around your neck and just choke you?
0: if you're doing an actual or does it have to be like a technique? I think it has to be an actual technique. <laughs> ah, that's <But> yeah.
1: BS. <laughs> like, what well, if I just get my man on the ground? I just start choking him like I would if I was on 167th Street in the Bronx. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what? I don't win the fight then? Nah, I, it has I mean... to be I have to use a a what? A a textbook Greco-Roman hold and, or or a jiu hold in order to do it.
0: Yeah. All right. All right.
1: <laughs> I, what about what about um what about if I if I if I grab my opponent by his nether regions? Is that a DQ?
0: Yeah, I mean, really? That, that's really. I can't just grab him on. by that's, his hum. That that's really frowned upon. Like Borat says, I think, by the hum. I think that falls into the same category that that like eye gouging comes into. If it if it is a mistake, like a like a genuine accident, you don't get DQ'd. But if really, if if, if you're blatantly reaching for it and that's it. What like, about
1: one of these, like the the, the fish hook? You know, like by the side of the mouth, just bang, spin them that way. Is that a cool?
0: Uh, no. Damn. I, I don't think they like mouths. All right, stuff. we're going to
1: keep up on this. I'll <laughs> holler at you next week about this. Thanks to the Stats Overbeat Cypher for sure. Next week, we break down the Super Bowl. Super Bowl prop bets, orange Gatorade, the under on the national anthem. I'll have analysis for this next week. Thanks, and catch me 6 to 9 a.m. We make it rain every morning at Spitting Speed. You know what it is. Damn it, damn it. Damn it, Patriots.